Well, good morning again to you, and thank you for being willing to move up. It's always like a weird ask, and uh, believe it or not, there have been some angry people when you asked to do that, so thank you for your grace in that. I, I wouldn't have been mad if you would have stayed where you were, uh, but I, I appreciate it. And we're, it feels more like family, more cozy being all together, and as Mark said, man, thank you for being here at the first service on Spring Forward Sunday. Uh, if I could give stars to you, I would give a star this morning. I would, maybe, Reese, do we have any sticker stars in the, in the, you give it on the way out, we'll just put it on your shirt, it says that, you know, you made it to spring forward first service on Sunday. Uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to be together, even if we're a little bit more tired this morning. How many of you still neglected the fact that it was spring forward and stayed up normal time? Anybody? I actually, I actually went to bed sort of early. We, we moved our clocks up forward uh, sooner and made everybody go to bed a little bit earlier than normal. So uh, open your Bibles, though. Let's get into God's Word to Ephesians chapter 4. The Christian life can be quite a challenge. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, have you ever found yourself saying this? Man, it is hard enough doing this life with Christ. How do people do it without him? You ever say that? I find myself saying that often. Even having Jesus, life is hard enough. And I think that's why often in scriptures you see the analogy of comparing the Christian life to a walk. And I think it's so appropriate because day by day, often, isn't it just taking one step at a time? At a time? Like, that's all, I, that's all I can focus on right now is putting one foot in front of the other. And I've seen some of you walk, and sometimes that's even a challenge. But God has called us to not run a sprint. It's a marathon. It's step by step. We're in this for the long haul. And all along the way, we have to watch our step. Uh, even this week, uh, I heard of uh, one of, during the women's ministry, uh, a lady was walking in, I don't know if she's walking in or walking out, but stepped into a pile of dog poo right outside the church doors. If that was you, I am sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it got there, but you, you don't expect to see that, right? And, and all along the way of our Christian life, there are things that come in our way that trip us up, and we have to be watching out for it. I, I grew up in Michigan, and if there's one thing I learned about growing up in Michigan, when you go for a walk in the winter, you may lose a child in some of these potholes that are out there, right? We have to watch our step, and it's, it's no different in the Christian life. Our walk with Christ involves diligence from our part to take a close eye on where we step. Yes, we are, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Our salvation is an absolute gift apart from works. But as we talked about last week, we still have a responsibility to live a certain way in light of our identity in Christ. Let me remind you of where we started last week in Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner... For the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And, and as we talked about last week, the, we don't live a life worthy of our calling to earn God's favor. It's not like we have to, hey, you have to earn this now. Like you have to do something to, 
to make God proud. Like, if you don't, then you're in deep trouble. Rather, Paul is, is saying, consider the effects that your calling should have on your life. And much of the first few verses uh, that we talked about last week is about living in unity with one another. We need each other. We can't do this life alone. We need to be in community. We need each other, and we will be ineffective for the gospel if we are living in disunity. Our, our passage this morning continues with verse 1, the call of living a life worthy of our calling. So let's jump into it right now. Follow along with me. I'm going to read Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. And holiness. Let's pray. Father, you have, for those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ, you have made us into a new creation. And you have called us to cast off our old self, be renewed by our minds, and put on the new self. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would give us wisdom as we Look at your word, Lord, that there's a certain way of living that you have called us to be done with. And Father, our temptation daily is to take the wrong step, to go down the wrong path, to take our eyes off where we're going and trip over the obstacles before us. And so, Lord, would you, would you allow us to engage now with, with your word, Lord? Would your spirit be actively working amongst us? Lord, bring conviction where we need conviction. Bring encouragement where we need to be encouraged. Bring wisdom, Lord, where we need wisdom. God, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. Thank you, Lord. Where two or more are gathered in your name, you are surely with us. And so, Lord, I look forward to seeing what you will do in our lives this morning. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So as I, I mentioned, the Christian walk, the Christian life is described as a walk. And we see that right in verse 17 where there is this warning. And really it is the only imperative, it's the only instruction given in this section of Scripture. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, now first of all, Paul's not making some kind of racist statement here of, of saying the Gentiles are trash and you need to not walk like they are doing. Rather, who is he speaking to? 
Paul is speaking to Gentiles. So this is not a, a trashing Gentiles. Neither is he saying uh, behind his words that the Jews have it all together. We, we've studied the book of Acts, and all through the book of Acts, who was Paul challenging? The Jews. And who was ultimately responsible, who was, who was one of the main respon- uh, p- uh, groups of people responsible for him being imprisoned? It was the Jews. So th- this, is not a, this is not a trash the Gentiles, but rather they understood the way of living. They understood that God's people live a different way. Consider the language then of the rest of the chapter. As I mentioned, this this. Uh, command to no longer walk as the Gentiles do is the only imperative. Because so, if you look through verses 18 and 19, he's just describing how the Gentiles lived. And then you move on th- through the rest of the chapter, verses 20 through 24, or the rest of these, this section of Scripture, what he's doing is describing what, what we learned in Christ. And so the main command here is do not walk as the Gentiles walked. So this morning, if you want a title, we're talking about our new life in Christ. What does it look like? Let's look back at verse 17 as we think about how the Gentiles walked. How did they walk? If we're no longer to walk, we need to understand how they walked. And in the second part of verse 15, it says, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God that is in them. When it comes to our walk with Christ, we must avoid the pitfall of unbelief. Avoid the pitfall of unbelief. Now this is, of course, uh, this is the continual state of unbelievers. Unbelievers continually live in the state of not believing the truth. It's denying, it's, it's darkened, it says, to their understanding. They, they spend their minds thinking on things that are futile, that are unimportant, that don't matter. We are a church that believes in the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. This, this is what the, the doctrine means. It, it holds to the fact that true saints in Christ will persevere to the end. Therefore, to say it negatively, if someone professes Christ, but does not continue in Christ to the end, was never saved to begin with. True saints will persevere to the end. Still, we can be tempted as saints to live in unbelief, can't we? We're all susceptible to live in unbelief. Let me ask you, though, what, what comes to mind when you think of the word unbelief? What, what is it that you think about when it comes to unbelief? I would imagine that many would immediately think of it in terms of not believing God is real, doubting the reality of God. Certainly, we may find ourselves wondering, have I believed a lie? Is this Really true that God is the creator, there is this creator, there is this God who rules over all. But I want us to think more than that. I want us to go beyond that just initial thinking that unbelief has to do with not believing that God is real. 
Sometimes we are tempted that, to doubt that our salvation. Like, how could I be a Christian and do this? How could I do that again? How could God love a mess like me? That's a picture of unbelief. If we believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, then we understand that if it was given to us, not by what we've done to deserve it, then it can't be taken away from us because we've undeserved it because that's impossible because it was a gift to begin with. You don't, you don't take away a gift that was a gift <laughs> because it was given freely. And so that is a lie that as Christians we can be tempted to believe. The scripture says if you believe, confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead and believe in your heart that, that he rose from the dead, then you, I have been saved. That's what the scriptures say. If God is, if we have placed our trust in him, we're still going to mess up. We're still going to fail, but God holds on to us. How about this? Another form of unbelief. What happens when you find yourself in extremely complicated life circumstances? Your spouse abandons you. A child runs from God. Dreams that you had for your life haven't come to fruition. The death of a loved one that was unexpected. Receiving a health report from the doctor and the C word comes to fruition in your life or some other dramatic health concern. How can God be good and allow this to happen? Why doesn't God see me? These are questions that have kept many people in unbelief, and it can trip us up from time to time that we experience uh, moments, maybe, maybe even seasons, where we are doubting the goodness of God. That is unbelief. Sometimes our, our eyes can be somewhat darkened to the truth. A veil can be covering our eyes, but not like unbelievers. Still, we, we can struggle to see the sovereignty of God. How can God be both good and how could God be sovereign as well? When you think about unbelief, unbelief is just when we doubt, don't believe what is true. True believers will never come to the place where they curse God and stop believing. But when we doubt, it can lead us into trouble. It can lead us astray. And what Paul is saying here is don't walk in unbelief. And believer, here is the incredible news. We have what the Ephesian believers didn't have. We have the completed word of God. We have his promises to dwell on. We can fight unbelief with the truth of God's word that we can hold in many different versions, many different translations. They didn't have that. If they did have it, all they had was a few books of the Old Testament. But we get to see the end of the story where Jesus came and defeated death and sin once and for all. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Who's him? Him is Christ. It, we, all, of, all of God's promises find their yes in Christ. This is why it is through Christ 
that we utter our amen to God for his glory. God's word is full of promises. Promises that are true and we can hold fast to because of what Jesus has done for us. Brothers and sisters, are you a student of God's word? Do you get a regular diet of the word of God? Every week we, we challenge you with giving you a scripture to memorize. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to be harsh and trying to make things hard on you? No, this is what Psalm 119.11 says. I have stored up your word in my heart. That what? That I might not sin against you. Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not doubt you. Lord, right now, I want to beat myself up. I want to hammer myself because I'm such an idiot because I did that once again. No, Lord. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and purify me from all unrighteousness. God, I can't grasp that, but I'm holding true to your word because our, that promise finds its yes in Christ who paid the price for our sins on the cross. Romans 8, 1, Lord, I remember there is no condemnation for those in Christ. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Are you a student of the word? Do you spend regular time pursuing him through meditation on the scriptures? Are you hiding God's word in your heart? Another way that I fight unbelief is through music. I believe God has gifted us with music. We see there's a whole section of scripture called the Psalms that are songs to the Lord, songs that remind us. And, and one, one song that I love is before the throne of God above. Just listen to the depth of the riches of this song. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. This is scripture. This is right out of Hebrews chapter 4. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid him thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ, my Savior, and my God. Brothers and sisters, we, we have to fight unbelief with the truth. This means we have to guard what comes into our minds. We have to guard the input and information that we take in. If we find ourselves in a season of unbelief, Showing itself through depression, fear, anger, foolishness. One thing you can do is evaluate what are you spending the majority of your time listening to? 
Perhaps it's podcasts. I, I found myself in a season just kind of, just kind of depressed and sad all the time. And then I looked at my diet of podcasts, and it was like true crime podcasts. <laughs> and so for me, I just have to guard my heart against those things. Because I, I could be tempted to be thinking about all of the negative things. I, I'm also a big Notre Dame fan. And there's just so, so, like if you're a sports fan anywhere, like there are critics amongst every fan base that will look at everything negatively. And, and I'll, get on chat, I'll get on chats and it's just like amazing, like the negativity. I mean, our world thrives on negativity, does it not? Like watch the, this is why we got to watch the amount of news that we take. And if you're a news junkie, it doesn't matter what station. If you're watching Fox or you're watching CNN, like there's negativity everywhere. Even the local news often. It's like, why can't we just have like a day? I wish there could be like a day dedicated. It's the good news day. <laughs> like we're only sharing positive stories. We're, we're done with sharing negative today. We have to watch the news intake that we, we bring in. How about the music that you listen to? Is it uplifting? Is it something that after listening to you can thank God for? I have to guard the music I listen to. There are, there are certain artists that I just can't listen to and certain love songs that take me to a place that is not godly. And I, I have to guard. For me, my mind goes astray. So I have to guard what goes in my mind. I, I have found myself in, in depression when I've spent hours just watching, uh, binge watching through series on Netflix. To where I, I got to guard my heart against that. I can't sit down and watch four hours. I, I get done with that. I'm like, man, that was a waste of time, and I've just filled my mind with things that do not draw me to the Lord. So brothers and sisters, do you struggle with unbelief? If you do, let me consider what is the diet of information that you are putting into your minds, which are making its way into your heart. Avoid the pitfall of unbelief. Look at the second part of verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of hearts. They have become callous. When it comes to the Christian walk, we need to be on the lookout for hardness of heart. We need to be on the lookout for callousness. When we've developed this hardness around us to where we don't feel, we, we've lost sensitivity to our sin. This is a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Have you ever found yourself there? I, I have found myself in, in brief moments where when God snaps me out of it, I'm, it's sobering of what we could allow our hearts to cling on to if we allow sin to reign. Now, for unbelievers, this is their constant state when it comes to the things of God. The things of God don't really matter. You can proclaim the truth. You can tell them all day long things that make complete sense to you, but it just goes completely over the heads of the unbelievers. It's because they are cold to the truth of God's word. They are hard-hearted towards it. It makes me think of playing the guitar. Uh, usually what happens to me is I'll go through seasons where I'll play the guitar a while. And what happens to your fingers? They get callous. You, don't, you, don't, you no longer feel the pain of the strings 
but then when you play it again later, what happens? Like, like you've, you've gone a long stretch without playing, and then you pick it up again, and you're like, oh my goodness, my fingers are killing me, because you've lost the callousness. That's, as Christians, we want that sensitivity. We want it to hurt. When we allow sin to reign in our lives, we want it to sting. We want to feel that. And when we lose it, it's a scary place. Here's the state of unbelievers when it comes to hardness of heart. 2 Corinthians 4.4, in their case, the God of this world blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, as believers in Christ, we can't have completely hardened hearts again, but we can have hard outer shell a little bit, can't we? when we allow sin to reign. But, but here's the beauty of what happens when Christ rescues us. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Let me just, let's just talk about a little bit. What, what does a heart of flesh look like? The heart of flesh feels conviction over sin. The heart of flesh is sensitive to sin and desires to steer away from it. And when it falls into sin, there's repentance. There is a hatred for sin. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're gonna gonna coast through life without struggling with sin, but we don't allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. We aren't comfortable with it any longer. We, we don't feel good in, in, when it's in our lives. A heart of flesh has a desire for Christ, has a hunger for his word. Not every moment of every day do we wake up hungering, but there is a consistent desire for the Lord. These are things where we should evaluate as believers. Do I have a hunger for the Lord? If I don't, has it been an extended season, or is this just something I've possibly allowed sin to reign maybe laziness maybe I'm refusing to get up maybe I'm making excuses of why I'm not in the word and and this is a wake-up call to repent and then come back to the Lord a heart of flesh has affections for others a heart of flesh loves the things that God loves a heart of flesh loves the church loves the people in the church even though we're a mess A heart of flesh loves the lost, is burdened for the lost. When they're interacted, fights against being angry towards sinful people, but understands that sinners act like sinners because there's no Christ in their life. And apart from Christ, you would be in the same place. After all, 1 John, in 1 John it says that if you say you love God and hate your brother, you are a... What? A liar. And the truth is not in us. Let's be honest. No one is nailing this all of the time. Who's just like batting 100% here? Nobody gets it all right. And we can find ourselves hardening our hearts. How, How do we know if we have a hard heart? How do we know if that's true for us? When you are confronted with your sin in your life, how do you respond? Do you blow it off? Do you make excuses? 
You try to deflect that attention off of you onto the other person maybe who's saying something to you. Well, yeah, but you did this. And what about you? You're not perfect. You don't have it all together. Why are you coming to me telling me what's wrong with me when you don't have it all together? That could be a sign that you have a hard heart. Another sign could be when you start calling things that are evil good. Sadly, we live in a society now where many people in the church are finding there some relatives who are struggling with same-sex attraction. And certainly, we need to be sensitive to that. If, if you find yourself there, there is grace for you. There is hope for you. But we can't allow ourselves, just because a family member seems to have a good relationship of somebody in the same sex, to then think, oh, this is good. When we decide, some, decide to call something God has clearly called evil through Scripture and call it good, we have a hard heart. We should be sensitive. We should have a heart for people, but it doesn't mean we approve the things in their lives. I've, I've often heard people say this too, like, God's telling me to get divorced, to marry this other person. Now, I'm not here to say that divorce is never an option. There, there are certain cases where abandonment happens, where affairs happen over and over and over again. But if you are still married and you think God is telling you to marry somebody else, I can guarantee you that's not the Lord, that's the enemy. And you have a hard heart. We have a hard heart when we twist scriptures to get it to say what we want it to say. To make us feel better about our sin. That's a hard heart. You've lost sensitivity to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, is God revealing to you a hardness of heart? Are there people in your life that you remain bitter at? You refuse to forgive them. It doesn't, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness doesn't mean you act like nothing happened. But bitterness shows that you haven't forgiven. Forgiveness is taking someone off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. But if we remain bitter towards someone, you have a hard heart. doesn't mean you're not a believer, but it does mean your relationship with God there's, there's a, it's been severed somewhat. There's a wall that's separating you from the experience, all that God has for you. If you have hardness of heart, my plea for you this morning is repent. Turn from your sins. Find mercy in your time of need. Brothers and sisters, be on the lookout for hardness of heart. Look at verse 19. They've become callous and have given themselves up to, they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. When it comes to our walk with Christ, don't trip over impurity. Don't trip over impurity. It uses the word sensuality here. Sensuality is when you have a lack of restraint in moral attitudes and behaviors it's it's the lack of ability to say no to impure things this is speaking a lot of of sexual sin 
lustful desires, extramarital affairs, whether emotional, spiritual, or physical. Yes, I did say spiritual. I, I know of people who are so drawn to someone's spirituality that they, they start having some kind of affair with a person because they, their husband or their wife is, is not spiritually where they want them to be. Each of those things are sinful. It's sensual. It's, it's a lack of moral restraint. Pornography, homosexuality, bestiality. Notice, the text says they are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Do you know of people who, who go to work and they live for Fridays? Cash their check, go to the bars, party all weekend, do it all over again the next weekend. Greedy for it, desiring it craving it, doing everything they can, completely consumed by it. They are eager to do this. The CSB translates greedy by saying this, with a desire for more and more. I mean, think about it. When you have no moral compass, what's keeping you from giving in over and over and over again? Now, for, for believers, we aren't as entrapped as the world is. But still, statistics would tell us that this is a major problem in the church. Now, you can't always trust statistics. 86% of them are made up on the spot. <laughs> However, good, decent studies show that over 50% of born-again Christian men, this is a, according to an, a, a Gospel Coalition article, view pornography, 50% uh, of born-again Christians view pornography at least once a month. For women ages 18 to 30, 34% view porn at least once a month. Brothers, this is, we can fool ourselves to think that looking at an image on a screen is not the same as having a physical relationship. But Jesus already said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. Pornography is destroying marriages. It's destroying you. We have to cast this aside. This is not the way God has called us to live, as we will see shortly. Verse 20 says this, this is not the way you learn Christ. Now this is a phrase, you learned Christ. This is not a phrase that you find anywhere else in Scripture. It's very unique. In fact, you go to pre-biblical times, nowhere in pre-biblical Greek documents do you see this phrase of learning someone. What Paul is using here is it's relational language. When you become a Christian, you don't merely learn about the teachings of Jesus. This is just speaking of learning facts, but you develop a relationship with him. Think about it from this perspective. I love uh, authors like Paul Tripp, and I've learned to think, like, understand his way of thinking. I love how he points you to the gospel over and over again. I love reading John Piper and his focus on the sovereignty and the power and the mightiness of God. I have no relationship with Paul Tripp. I have no relationship with John Piper because they're only as effective as they point us to Jesus, as they point us back to the Father. I have a relationship with Jesus. I have conversations with him. Now, do I hear his audible voice? No, never have. Never heard God speak to me from audible voice. I don't use the language God told me because I don't believe that. Unless you're speaking of the truth of God's word. 
Because voices are subjective. God's word is not. God speaks to me through his word. God speaks to me through his Holy Spirit. God brings peace when I'm anxious, when I'm turning to the word of God. With Jesus, there is a relationship. We've learned a different way of living. Look at verse 21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul's like saying, hey, perhaps I'm assuming wrong. Brothers and sisters of Christ, I'm assuming that you understand this, but, but maybe not. If you find yourselves living in unbelief over and over and over again, if you find yourselves tripping over impurity over and over again, loving it, no conviction, making excuses, hardened hearts, perhaps, I'm not saying this is true, but perhaps you never learned Christ in the first place. And perhaps this morning could be the morning of your salvation. We should all look at this with sobriety. Are any of these things reigning? And maybe, again, for all of us, we, have, we all have areas where we need to repent. But perhaps for you, if you just find yourself with no heart for the Lord and loving the things of this world... Just because your mom or dad told you you said a prayer does not mean you are a believer in Christ. A believer in Christ has put off the old self and put on the new. We have learned that we are to put off the old self, verse 22, which belongs to our former manner of life. And it's corrupt through deceitful desires. We've learned to renew, be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I love what this scripture says. This really speaks of how to renew our minds. What we are to do. What does the new man do? Colossians 3 verses 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You want to fight against falling back into the old man. Continually renew your mind through God's word. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't something that we do once a week. We can't just depend on the pastor to come and give you a word and encouragement for the week. Just like you can't come and eat one meal a week, you won't survive. You might be able to survive a, a season of fasting that way, but if, if all you have is one meek, one meal a week, week after week, year after year, eventually it's going to get you. We need the continual diet of God's word. We, we need to think of life as a river. And going with the flow, going with the stream is the way of the world. Going against the stream is the way that God has called us to do. Let me ask you, if you're in a raft and you take your feet off of the bottom, what happens? Do you stay where you're at? 
you drift. The same is true for our Christian life. If we're not standing firm in the word of God, pursuing the Lord, what are we doing? We're drifting. There's no neutrality. We don't stay where we are. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. We don't stay. Eventually, things will get a hold of us. Renew your minds. Pursue the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you. If you have truly repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ, you are a new creation. Verse 24 says, you've put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know it's better than what the world had to offer. If you've strayed in any of these areas, I encourage you to repent. And if you have come this morning realizing that you have never placed your faith in Christ, let me encourage you this morning, you can repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. It starts with acknowledging, just seeing the fact that you are a sinner. You've been separated from God because of it. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. God says, repent of your sins and place your faith in him for salvation. I encourage you, find somebody to talk to before you leave today. Here's how we're going to end today. Certainly there's a, there's a heavy tone to this message, and, and I want us to take some time before the Lord. And so we're going to take a few minutes at our seats Whatever position you prefer, if you want to kneel at your chair, do so. If you want to sit where you're at, whatever you would like to do, let's just go before the Lord. Is, is he revealing any hardness of heart this week? Any, any areas of unbelief? Again, like, it's not to, like, if, if we are faint-hearted, God's not condemning you. He wants you to find hope. And so perhaps you need to be reminded, remind yourselves, ask the Lord to remind you. Maybe there's some scriptures that come to mind, remind you of the hope that you have in Christ. Perhaps you need to repent of your arrogance, your lack of concern for others. Maybe there's impurity in your life, you've allowed pornography to come, or you've, you're participating in an inappropriate relationship that you need to turn away from. Find grace from the Lord. So let's Let's spend a couple minutes praying, and then we're going to sing here shortly. Let's pray before the Lord now. Father, I thank you for your conviction. I thank you for your encouragement, Lord, that you don't deal with the lowly of hearts by crushing us. Lord, you don't deal with those who are faint-hearted by rubbing our sin in our face, Lord. You want to encourage us. And so, Lord, for those who find themselves there, would you encourage them this morning? Remind them of their salvation. Lord, for those who are, have had pride exposed, perhaps impurity in their lives, Lord, would you bring deep conviction, Lord? Not, not conviction that feels sorry for the way they feel, but, Lord, conviction for the fact they've sinned against you. Lord, that you would lead them to repentance and that they would receive your forgiveness. 
Remind them that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Father, your grace and mercy, they're amazing. God, we don't deserve any of that. Nobody here deserves any of it, but yet you have granted it to us through Christ. Lord, all we have is Christ. Lord, may he be our life. Father, would you bring change in us this morning? And I thank you for your spirit's power at work. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to stand now as we sing in response. Is my life. You guys can grab a seat here for a minute. Let me give you a few things that you can chew on this week. If you want to go a little bit further into what we've talked about, uh, I encourage you to memorize 2 Corinthians 5.17. I could sing it for you, but I'm not going to. That's how I remembered this reference this week. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the, the old has gone, the new has come. So what a, what a great promise. Like, we've been made new. We are a new creation. And we're called to live differently in light of that. We're called to consider what it looks like to live in light of our new identity. And then continue uh, reading through Ephesians chapter 4 as we finish up uh, the chapter next week. Just to give context, I think it's helpful just to keep renewing, we keep reviewing. And so when you come next week, you've already a little bit familiar with it. So I encourage you to do that. Question for you to ponder this week. Are you seeing any of the old you? Are you seeing any of the old you in you? Are there hardness of heart? Is there unbelief? Are you, are you just struggling with hope? Like perhaps you just need to let somebody know. I encourage you, go to somebody. Seek help. Mark will be up here at the end of the service. Zach or myself, we'd love to pray with you uh, at the end of the service. Find somebody else to pray if you're not comfortable praying with us. Find somebody to pray with. And then lastly there, let's just continually live in this state where we are renewing our minds. Renewing our minds with the truth of God's word. Church, we're not here to just take in and go and stay and go about our lives forgetting about everybody else, but, but we're heading into the mission field. We are the light on a hill. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine so that others may see your good works, not to lift you up, but for you to have a chance to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have a great week.